everybody. Welcome to today and welcome to Death Valley Girls podcast. I'm Bonnie and I talk to heroes about what excites them and we also talk about the mysteries of the universe. Did you hear the news? Death Valley Girls announced our new record, Islands in the Sky, which will be out February 24th. And we released the first song. Go check it out. This week, our hero Jody Wiley is back on the podcast. If you didn't listen to last week's episode with her, go back and listen. I could talk to her forever. She directed my favorite movie, The Source Family Documentary, and is making a movie about the most interesting healing group, the Unarians. The more I learn about these groups, the more I realize how much we have in common with their beliefs. And the more I respect Jody's commitment and dedication to getting their stories out into the universe. I love Jody and I love what she is doing. Please go watch her movies. She's a true gem and one of my favorite people I've ever had the chance to talk to. And now, please welcome to your head and heart, Jody Wiley. Hello again. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. Well, we were just, we tried to stop, but then we kept on going. And so we're going to keep on going. And I guess um, something that, that we just talked about, but that is always really interesting to me is, um, is when you're making a documentary, and I know this happens a lot with any anything about any family, any story, um, the desire to stay truthful um, and and particularly maybe the desire to stay um, or what you're saying is to have something that actually can have a positive impact on people's lives. Uh, maybe it's not as salacious a tale. Um, and maybe it's not, you know, it won't. Yeah. Like whatever, uh, superficially do better in certain ways, but the ability and opportunity to do something that's like uplifting is, is sort of at the core of what these, I guess what these alternative, like, um, what's it, what do you call them? I mean, these particular, you know, the Source family in Unarius in particular are healing communities. Like they're, they're, healing, they're healing groups. Like they're, some people might call them healing cults, you know, but yeah. for me, they're intentional communities. They're alternative spiritual communities uh, that are focused on healing really and healthy, you know? Yeah. yeah. And th- I think that that's super cool. Um, I, I think, um, Yeah, the opportunity to make art. And that's something for me, too, is like we went through a little spell of just being like, um, again, because I didn't grow up with the dichotomy of like God and Satan. Like, (laughs) I just thought it was sort of like um, something not funny, but just like it, it if you're if it's not part of your culture, it is kind of funny to think that that is what's the ultimate ultimately at stake is uh your eternity in heaven or your like eternity in damnation. And so we went through like a um, sort of satanic, not devil worship, but like a satanic spell, which I'm, I think is cool. And I learned a lot from, uh, and, but the, what year was that? Like 2016, 17, 18. Um, And it was more just the idea that, um, we were we too were against um personal freedoms being you know uh taken away and and people being treated differently I was just across the board my my biggest thing is that i don't understand how humans and animals for that matter but i really don't understand how uh humans have 
different value. And I just don't believe that and think that. And I think if people need to see like the devil to be reminded that um, we're all the same or, you know, or that in satanic uh, the satanic values are that everyone is equal, you know, if that helps people to understand, <laughs> then we did that. But now I don't feel comfortable. Um, I don't like to be dark. Um, I, I mean, I am in, in inherently dark in certain ways. Uh, and little kids love it. You know, little kids like really love me and get so excited when they see me and they're like, Oh my God, that's a witch. And I'm like, <laughs> now I'm kind of like, yeah, I guess I am. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like now I want to help people feel good and I want them to feel safe. Um, and I don't want something like devil art to make certain people not feel welcome. But I guess, yeah, what just what you're saying about doing something uplifting, I think is so important and like is something that maybe the church does more than other people. I'm not sure. Um, or maybe just things are uplifting for kids or people don't take that stuff serious, but it's, it's so serious. It's so important and it's so essential. Um, and I guess you were just saying that it's hard to just, uh, make art that's uplifting, not just uplifting, but that that's one of the end results of it. I mean, I feel like everything has a time and place, you know, and there are things that I've gone through in my life that made so much sense, like in the (laughs) nineties, they felt so bright and good. And they were just part of like my own journey, spiritual journey. And then we're also on a cultural journey together, you know, where certain things resonate in the culture at certain times. And then 10 years later, they feel really outdated and old. And there was a time when, like I was really into exploring, uh, you know, Manson, Satan, you know, all of those things. And, and I'm glad I did, you know, I, yeah. wanted, I wanted to lift the rock. Like I wanted to see what it was all about because I didn't get any of that stuff growing up. I was protected from it and didn't have access to it. I only had those witch books in the library, you know, Yeah. and what I, whatever I could get. I didn't have the internet. I just had in search of, you know, with yeah. Like, Nimoy. And, uh, and, and anyway, I just, I feel like we, you know, it's, it's, you, you have to have an arch demon in order to have an arch angel, you know, an an arch demon without an archangel, you know, and Uriel, for example, from Unarius, like it's so interesting, but one of the key players in their psychodramas, uh, is this, you know, person, uh, Vaughn, who ended up leading Unarius after her passing. And he sincerely believed that he had been Satan in a previous lifetime. And Napoleon Bonaparte and Nero and, you know, all of these characters. And, and I, you know, it's like the source family too. They also, you know, Father Yod would tell family members, like, we're all just actors on a stage. Like we are souls, playing these parts in this body right now, you know, and that's, that's another metaphysical concept. Unarius talked about that too. So what they were doing, you know, in their psychodramas, like dressing up. So a lot of them played terrible people in the psychodramas yeah. because yeah. 
Uriel was like, we don't need to relive the positive psychodramas. You've got, you've got all that healing in you already. We need to get to the stuff you need to heal. Yeah. So the Unaria psychodramas are really intense. Like if you're actually looking at them and you understand that these are real people, you know, re sincerely reliving what they believe to be their other lifetime is when they were like, in the most decadent civilization in, in the universe of all time, the Orion civilization, where PS, the, you know, Tyrantus, the tyrant. And so it was controlled by a tyrant who controlled other people who controlled others through mind control, technology, drugs, and religion, you know, like, it's so interesting. She was teaching people about the, uh, you know, the decline and decadence of civilizations, basically this life cycle yeah. of civilizations in order to help people like heal their problems in this lifetime. It's just so fascinating. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So you need, you know, you need the archdemon. It's, it's, I don't know. I mean, in Bali, you know, they teach, if you want to learn magic in Bali, you have to learn the black magic first before you learn the white magic, which I think makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah. when you get to the white, you're like, ow. <laughs> okay. That's how I felt when I went from one to the other. I was like, wow, oh, this is sustainable. Totally. Oh, this feels good all the time. Oh, this yeah. is healing. Oh, I can, you know, I mean, I, I'm curious about you stopping drinking and how that, why you did that and how that shifted for you. Yeah. Um, well, it's weird is that I I guess essentially I've been numbing myself um, my entire life, uh, sort of drugs and smoking and drinking like real young. And um, I think uh, for a lot of reasons, but I think I ha I'm super sensitive and I didn't know what that meant before. Like, I just like, I didn't know what anything meant. I just was, so I just numbed it. And now um, I guess like, yeah, I'll just tell you is, um, in 2020, I got sick for like six months and I had a fever, uh, like, and, um, they couldn't figure out what it was. I was going to like different infectious disease doctors, like kidney doctor. Um, I took a medicine that made me pee green for like four months. And it was, they're like, you need surgery. You need this. And God. they never, none of the doctors could agree, but it also just didn't feel right. And, um, I just honestly took some plant medicine and, uh, uh, the instantly like had some, um, experiences and the fever just like didn't go away permanently, but it went away that day for the first time in oh. five months. And I, I ha could physically feel that I was storing trauma. I was storing the stories that I didn't tell was storing other people's pain. If someone had pain, like, and my bandmates can attest to this is that somebody around me was experiencing pain. I thought my job was to grab it from them and put it stuff into me and not allow them to go through it. Uh, just cause I didn't want to be around it, I guess it was selfish. But, um, so I had just been storing all of this stuff and <clears throat> yeah. And I just took this medicine and I, I looked at, I had all these bottles of medicine I looked at them and I was like, no, and I threw them away. And then, yeah. And then it was just like, I just started like looking at like, um, diet, which is like, none of the doctors asked me what I was eating, what I was any, nothing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Not one. And it's like, they're saying 
you know, getting every test, every single thing saying, oh, I see something on your thyroid. I see something on your, it looks like you have one said I had tuberculosis. Like I'm talking, and this was all in like high, high COVID. So it was just real, like real, you know, it, it would have been a real obvious time to be like, how's your, how are your, uh, how's your stress levels? How's your whatever. But um, I didn't know what it meant that you could make yourself sick. I kind of knew, say like cancer could do that or, or you could get cancer, certain things, but I didn't know you could physically manifest your problems. And um, so that became that, that happened. And then um, there was one just being really clean, eating really clean, um, making my own food, um, maybe going too too far of that, like scared of food, but I just had to see. Um, and then uh, it just for some reason, alcohol um, makes me physically sick now. Just like if I have more than like a sip of it, I become physically ill, which um, is just, yeah. And I went, our like healer lady who just helps you heal yourself Laura Ellis, she's been on this podcast. She's the best ever. But um, yeah, she said that that's not too like atypical for someone that's going through something like this. It's just uh, certain things just won't like work in your body any longer. Um, but yeah, that it's like all these things that really helped me. Um, all the things. It's just once you say I want to be, I want to be completely connected to my guides. I want to be all of this stuff. I want to be super sensitive. I want to be super psychic. It's like, okay. But what you're really saying is you're like, <laughs> if you want that, you're going to also have to say goodbye to a lot of easy coping mechanisms. Like, um, you know, it, it just, I, I just had to say goodbye to a, a different way of that or the way that I used to know how to numb and dull now doesn't work anymore. It, it, I feel it. And so that's kind of what happened with drinking. Um, and congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I wish it was like, I kind of feel guilty because it's not like I made a, it's, it's the right choice. And I'm like, um, I thought I didn't have a problem because I only drank when we played, um, but I only went out when we played. So it turns out if I went out, I had to drink, you know? So it's just like, you don't see things when it's happening, but um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just like, I feel like because I physically can't do it, that I'm not really doing anything, but um, what I've learned over the last like five months of not doing it is, is really incredible. Like not something I ever, yeah. Um, and just to, yeah. Is that, emotions and feelings are are like clouds they pass and it's like our um people are so hell-bent on avoiding discomfort that they won't don't realize it's like one it's it passes so much faster than you think and two that avoiding it takes up so much more time and energy than just letting it pass um but you know I didn't know you'd be, you would have been a perfect candidate for the source family or because (laughs) I mean, a number of people that I met in both of those groups were people who were sensitive. I mean, that's the thing, like our, our, our world, you know, our, our contemporary materialist, hyper materialist, 
you know, hyper tech obsessed world, um, you know, forgets like that we are the most technologically advanced instruments in the world as human beings. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have these abilities that we are not even tapping into uh, culturally that are shunned or they're made fun of because they're not, they're largely misunderstood. You know, these sensitivities when you can actually feel someone else's issues, you know, you can actually feel them when they're next to you. Not everybody has that ability, but a lot of people do. I've been a magnet to these people all my yeah, life. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. I've, I've lived such a privileged and charmed life because I've, I've for some reason been like a magnet to these people who have taught me so much about you know, these, these states and, and, and what I found with like, like the source family and Unarius, well, also a shaman, my shaman friend, Lady Hawk, who I met when I was living up in Port Townsend, um, up in like 2008, both told me, cause I was, you know, just, you know, unaware of the impacts of like alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, energy body back then, but heard about what the energy body is and then learn about like, I don't know if your, your healer talked to you about this, but Unarius talked to their students about this because Uriel was, you know, a clairvoyant. So she had like a shamanistic view. She could see energy, all that stuff. And I truly believe that she had that capacity and her husband did too, because I've known multiple people like that. So it's not a fun. In fact, like when you know multiple people like that, you're like, oh, people have certain people have different access, per, certain people have different levels of access. Then they've got different styles of how right. they share it with others, you know. Right. And then well, they're all humans, so they can screw it up if their ego gets in the way. It's always the battle of like keeping <laughs> the ego back. You got to be doing it for the greater good, you know, for this sort of healing stuff to work. Yeah. Well, well when, yeah. Oh, oh no, please go ahead. That, but with Unarius and with my shaman friend Lady Hawk, the, this is when I first with with Lady Hawk, I first learned the concept of like when you because I smoked a lot of pot, you know, in the 90s when I was with all my band people and everything. I don't yeah. know. Uh was but I but I loved it for years. Yeah. All of a sudden it wasn't fun anymore. I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't, you know, you hear that all the time, right? Where people yeah. Get, and they're like, ah, I'm starting to get paranoid. It's not fun. Well, I got the first explanation for that that made sense, which was Lady Hawk was like, you have to understand when you do drugs and, you know, even smoking pot, alcohol, your, your energy body expands. So that feeling you feel when you're high or when you're drunk is like your aura. It's like your energy body getting bigger and expanding. And if you drink enough or smoke enough pot, um, or smoke enough cigarettes, even you, you, your energy body starts getting porous. It starts becoming oh, like, wow. And you can attract these like thought forms, uh, entities, you know, you can, you can pick up stragglers, you know, that are, that, totally. are, that are, that are just like, you know, and this is, again, this take, this is a leap for a lot of people to, to even think about like, but thought forms floating around in the atmosphere or spirits, you know, of, of well, people in the past that are unground, that are not, you know, they're kind of like stuck in the ethers a little bit. That yeah. Like a lot in their previous lifetime and they're feeding off of your alcohol. Totally. You know, that's why like clairvoyance, I know, don't go to parties or they don't go to bars because they can see too many It's spirits. Yeah. You know, it's, it's alcohol is called spirits for a reason. Yeah. 
Zen uh, spirit. So when I learned that, I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense because I was smoking enough pot that like my energy body was just getting porous and I was starting totally. up these thoughts and it really helped me get my, my little niece to stop smoking too. I was like, do you understand when you smoke cigarettes, <laughs> all these sub-astral entities are like, <laughs> you know, like when you think about that, you're like, oh, that's better than, you know, that's, that's amazing though. Later yeah. to like get those things away. <laughs> that's awesome yeah no i mean we've had definitely several events um or occurrences with like um you know darker darker forces darker things i don't know what like uh but when people have they also seem to know if you're drunk i've noticed and be able to yeah like cling on to you or affect you or do something like we've had a few like like uh, possessions is the only way I could put it where somebody just wasn't themselves. And I think it's, yeah, these entities. Yeah. That they just, yeah. 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 They just loved whatever they are. They loved um, in their last life, drinking, smoking, doing all this stuff. And they just find someone that's drunk, hop on in for a little bit. Um, And that, you know, that, that has happened a couple of times in the bands where it's like, uh it's never happened to someone that wasn't drinking (laughs) you know like um, i I agree and that's the thing like when i started learning about this stuff i learned about you know i i started getting into understanding like other dimensional stuff when i had to because of someone i can't even get into it i'm sorry also it's all good i mean that's the other thing like I'm not the victim type, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really into that I understand identification. That. I, I I learned from it and I grew yeah. from it. I got stronger from it. And now I'm just like chuckle at it. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Good. Oh, this black magician who yeah. thought he was so powerful told my friend's mom, who is a clairvoyant, like went and, you know, found him in the astral realm and was like, and he, he engaged in a psychic battle with her. And she was like, oh my God, it was like a five year old throwing a snowball you know what I mean <laughs> yeah you know yeah. like when, that's the thing when you can find these like wise usually wise women you know who are like shamans or healers like somebody's you know your best friend's mom you, it's yeah. different than when you're just calling somebody up in the yellow pages like yeah context you know yeah anyway that that helped me that helped lead me on a path toward healing and like journey toward who am I, what am I doing? Why am I here? And that's the thing. Like once you understand magic, like once you actually experience it and understand it, it becomes the the black magic for me becomes less alluring. It's like, right. Just like, it's just the spiritual equivalent of people doing shitty things to each other in the material (laughs) You know, yeah. I don't want to hang out with people like that. Like, yeah, especially not now. I don't have time for that. You know, yeah. I it's like once you have it, once you understand that you've got this ability and this power, like, what are you going to do with it? Like, that's the big question. Are you going to use it to like enrich yourself, empower yourself? Are you going to use it to like hurt other people who you think did you wrong? Yeah, or you use it for like the greater good or to understand yourself. You know, on a well, deeper, I, totally. Level. Yeah, yeah, I think people also don't realize like the dichotomy or the the power of like duality at once. It's like you have the power to be both, but how much cooler is it to do good? And um and it's like it's just I don't think people think about that. And 
you know, the dark stuff is pretty like cool looking, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like so uncool now. Cause you see it every day in the headlines. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark, like that's the stuff that is making, that's the stuff that's wrecking our culture right now. Like, yeah. Why, why even, but, but I also understand that when you're younger, you know, like I went through a period where that was really attractive and sometimes yeah. move through all those versions of reality to like get to a place that feels authentic, you know, to you. Yeah. Well, I think people don't know their power. I think that's a place to start, like to prove you have power is, I think dark, like, or enhances darkness or is easier to use darkness. And then when you find your power, you find it's kind of light. Um, but one thing you said before, and one thing I want to talk about that I think is so cool is like when you and your friends or you and these people or in these groups like Unarius and Source Family, it's like when you get a bunch of people together that are like they're one of their main things they would say top three things is like trying to grow like every day trying to grow trying to learn trying to heal like you get a lot of supernatural occurrences and lots of synchronicities <laughs> and yeah. so much evidence that um there's something beyond you and um almost goofily if that's a word but like when we're together it's um I mean, goofily, like goofy, goofily. Yeah, is that a that's word? Funny. Oh <laughs> my god! I mean, that's like Unarius and Father Yod both were like the universe has a great sense of humor. Yeah, well, it's just funny because yeah. you're like everything will. It becomes a joke for sure, and it's it's it is it's just it's goofy the way that um, like every you know numbers or receipts will always be something or just everything is everything always is the way that we like to describe it. But um, I guess that that's a part that uh, maybe doesn't come through in some of the stories about these groups is that it wasn't, it's not just like, cause they like to make it a lot about a wounded person didn't yeah. get something in their family, obviously going to the older yeah. man who you know they have father whatever it's like it's not so obvious it's it's, it's simplistic people really see in it i think often a reflection of their own whatever right right issues you know it's often a, a and that's what's so interesting about the source family is that it is kind of a rorschach test yeah right where people see it and have completely different takes on it depending on who they are and where they're at in their life, I, I think, you know, and I feel like I made it uh, at a certain stage of life where I did my best with it for where I was at that life, you know, at that time in life, but I've learned yeah. so much since then. I've learned so much more about the source family and the complexity of it since then. And that's why I'm so grateful we got the opportunity to do the scrapbook, you know, Yeah. write a new essay and we could write captions because the story of the source family is so much bigger than the documentary. And there were right. things that like, uh, we, we didn't have time to tell that were huge, which was like the source family essentially became a matriarchy with a passive patriarch leader, you know, when father Yod had his multiple women. So you can look at it and be like, Oh, he had multiple women. And that was so terrible. And truth be told, many people in the group say that's when things started kind of going South, you know, like it was a beautiful experiment until that happened because of the jealousies and it divided people. But when there was like, couples together it was a seriously like powerful powerful group where there were so many good things and still wild things and crazy things happening yeah 
but um, but at the same time, Father Yod gave those women power and let the, and let them kind of run the family, you know, a few of them especially. And so most people don't get that, you know, and they wouldn't. Yeah. And I didn't really know it when I was like doing the film, but like the scrapbook, you know, goes more into like stuff like that and and the the really deep heavy stuff that we didn't get into too. Uh, for certain things that happened. I'll just okay. leave, I'll leave that a mystery. Okay, but cool. Just a lot of more stories. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's incredible. I feel like also just, I don't know, as a, um, as, as a fan and a watcher, it's like as much as I've, as much as I've changed as the many times I've watched it and seen it in so many different ways. Um, I guess, yeah, I can't imagine being part of the making of something like that and changing with it too. Um, do you think, and I, and I don't mean it for this experience, but do you think it, do you think it matters if you agree with the sort of, like, it seems like you, the type of documentaries you work on are things that you typically uh, think are helpful and are, you know, um, and aren't like way out of like the realm of reality or whatever, or maybe, you know, like, uh, do you think it would be difficult to work on something where you're like, this doesn't make any sense? <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I am fascinated. I'm just, I'm not a typical documentary filmmaker, first of all, like a lot of documentary filmmakers, they do one project after another, they try to do a project in a year or two, you know what I mean, or a few years at the most or whatever. But for me, both of these projects were seven year journeys. And I feel like um, I both projects were deep spiritual experiences for okay. me. It was much deeper than me just being a documentary documentary filmmaker and wanting to like be a filmmaker and, and tell a story. Like I had to tell these stories. Right. Yeah. They affected me so deeply. Like I can't even tell you like how deep it goes with these groups and like, yeah. but, but um, I'm also, you know, aware that like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like Alejandro Jodorowsky talks about that with his yeah. work. Like, I did an interview with him once for Flaunt magazine. That's so cool. Oh my God. It was like, he's a total hero for me personally. Yeah. Me. And I love that he's such a healer as well. Like who's also gone to transgressive places, yeah. but has ended up with this like very powerful kind of integrated vision that brings it all together to a transcendent place, you know, to yeah. a place of new discovery. There's still a sense of wonder and mystery and everything he does. So cool. But he was saying for him, his films are like a footprint in the sand, you know, like they're just like a, a footprint of a lot of different experiences. Like for him, yeah. it's about the journey. And for me, it's a little bit more than that because I feel a major responsibility to the groups that I'm working with because it is a, it's somebody else's story. Right. Oh, and I, I want to be true to the people I'm working with. I'm not the kind of filmmaker who would do a film on Nexium, you know, right. I mean? yeah, yeah. and like, I don't want to do a film on a, 
on a uh, an organization that or a group that is just so corrupt and damaging right like, it's not my interest i got through that like in the 90s you know what i mean right yeah i was interested for a time and then i'm like nah i'm more interested. yeah this stuff is like really for me personally yeah like turns me on you know what i mean yeah to it and it hasn't been told you know what i mean like it's just stories that haven't been told that have an opportunity to show people in our culture who are who are really practicing these sort of like regenerative ideas that are healing for our world you know so anyway that's the thing like for me it's i'm just trying to catch up i find with like with unarius i'm so grateful that i've had you know i had like the, the last 2 years to sort of slow down a little bit yeah figure out like what i wanted to like remove in my own persona to like grow as a human being to be able to really see the material clearly yeah that's always my biggest concern is I don't want to limit the material with my own consciousness uh, at the time so that's why with the source family especially I just I want to do I want to work with um subject material that I respect Right. Always show that respect and, and, but also show the humanity and keep it somewhat balanced. You know, that's, that's what I want to do because, because I I've noticed before with other filmmakers and also authors of books, like you, you can tell when an author or a filmmaker is really limiting the work because of their own personal limitations, you yeah. know? especially yeah. in the spiritual realm, because I, you right. know, with most films I see on cultic groups, I'm just like, you can just tell that this person thinks, you know, it's, it's the typical thing, you know, intellectual, these sort of like intellectuals feel like, oh, I know what's going on here. They spend six months exploring the material. They're like, oh, I know what's going on. It's a power corrupts thing. Right. Yeah. Cause that's the easiest top layer. If you're a materialist or a skeptic to just go right to that place, you know, it's, but it's, but I've found with all the groups I've gotten to know that it's never, that's never the dominant experience for the people involved. And the experiences are way richer and deeper, yeah. and more inspiring, you know, at yeah. a time. It. Totally. That's so cool. Is there any, like, or did you know, because the Source family, you explained how you got into that, but the, like, did you know you were about to step off into the Unarian world when you did, like, for seven years or? Gosh, well, you know what happened is, I mean, I knew about their stuff in the 90s, right? And then um, I saw more of their films when I was married to Adam Parfrey, you know, and what's really interesting is Adam actually wrote a story about Unarius that was kind of a hit piece. Oh, dang. <laughs> jaundiced eyed view in Adam. <laughs> Adam's style uh, that he he printed in the San Diego Reader, and that was also in his book called Rapture. And I remembered when I was like dating him, I was in love with him. I actually read that piece for the first time, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like terrible! Like, this, yeah. is, <laughs> this is so lame." I know yeah. this was more interesting. Yeah, it feels like such a limited view of this group, and it's. You know, I mean, it was brilliantly written from that sort of perspective, you know, I wanted to go further with it. And so that planted a seed for me, like in 2004. Okay. And then then what happened was in 2000, 
2015, uh, 2014, I got invited to co-curate uh, a, a, an exhibition at a national museum called the American Visionary Art Museum, which is the first national museum dedicated to um, visionary art. Self cool. It's an amazing museum. I highly recommend. Cool. You know, they're founded by this incredible visionary, Rebecca Hofberger, who is totally a fairy godmother. She is cool. like, well, in a lot of ways, but like ran a museum. She invited me to co-curate the show called The Visionary Experience. And I That's was so like, cool. yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to put Unarius in there. I've got to put them in there. So I contacted them to see if I could come look at their archive. And they were so friendly and nice and they invited me down and I went into their archive. I thought, I thought, oh, maybe they made a few movies. I didn't really know what was going to be in there, but I just knew about their films, you know, yeah. playing on public <laughs> access. So I, I, I didn't even know all the films. I just knew a few. Yeah. In there, they took me into their film lab and I just saw like walls and walls of videotapes. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I found out that they made uh, three feature films on film. Okay. Wow. And they made uh, over a hundred television shows that oh aired repeatedly for years in up to 30 States in the United States. Wow. That's so cool. I had no idea. I yeah. thought it was like just in LA. Yeah. In New York, I knew about New York collectors. Like there were definitely musicians and filmmakers who knew about their stuff there, but I had no idea. And then they took me into their photo uh, room and they had like probably over 5,000 color images of like them in these like outrageously elaborate costumes. So, so colorful. Like there was just so much ah, effort. Well, I shouldn't even say effort because they're all channeling the Space Brothers. Like that's, yeah. and that's the amazing thing is all of this art. So there was okay, 5,000 images, there were hundreds of tapes, but all these TV shows and movies. And then they had hundreds of audio tapes that they made. And then they had 200 books that they had self-published. Oh my I had God. No idea. 200 books. That and is this, so cool. And they had all these paintings, all of these paintings. And they were describing to me that Uriel, part of their spiritual practice at Unarius was you know, Uriel was teaching people basically to get in touch with their higher selves and their guides. You know what I'm saying? But yes. she called them the Space Brothers. So, like, it wasn't just your ancestors or, you know, your 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 closest team, which is what a lot of, you know, people like yourself know about. Most people don't know about that. But, you know, a lot of psychics do. A lot of clairvoyant and sensitive people do. But, um, but what she was saying and what she and Ernest Norman were teaching was that you can actually access these other dimensional beings who are benevolent yeah. and advanced to help heal you and help inspire your greatest ideas. And she insisted that all of the greatest works of art in humanity were created by people who were consciously or unconsciously channeling these higher energies, which, you know, yeah. makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways, because for me coming from you know, I came from this background where I visited a lot of self-taught artists in the South when I was in college like Howard Finster and Mose Tolliver, yeah. and a lot of artists back then. So I, I saw that those people, 
like, like most like Howard Finster, especially was, I, I feel now, I mean, a lot of people may not know who he is, but his work hangs in the white house. It hangs yeah. in the Smithsonian, but he was like a former Baptist minister with a sixth grade education, who was a bicycle repairman, who was coming, make, creating these amazing works of art with like, you know, everything from Elvis to UFOs to angels and things like that. And so I, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like I put two and two together. I was like, Unarius is almost like an outsider art collective. Yeah. Amazing. Uriel, Uriel was like, she's sort of like, it's, it's like the comparisons between her and Warhol. I can't help but make, because I feel like Uriel was doing almost like this West coast, like factory scene, but instead of like, you know, her being concerned, you know, interested in people with money doing yeah. like gorgeous people, fame, you know, being obsessed with fame and money. She was not interested in that. She was interested in healing. She was interested in these like, so cool. you know, she was interested in reaching out to Albert Einstein through the ether. She wanted to hear from Tesla what his ideas were. Yes. She wanted to bring that forward to help heal people and help them grow. And so I was just like blown away blown away when I saw the archive. And I feel like ever since then, I started shooting them in like 2015. And it's been, you know, a seven year journey. And I feel yeah. like ever since then, I've just been kind of catching up, you know, and deprogramming myself. This is what I love about Unarius with their psychodramas too. Yeah. As I mentioned before, like, you know, she would have the students really, you know, they would all make their own costumes. Yeah. I'm feeling our time in Lemuria together, the cycles coming through because of like maybe a tension that would be happening with different students or her and a student, whatever, like it's coming through. I want you guys to all like go into your corners, figure figure out who you were. This is who I was during that time. Figure out who you were, make your costumes. Let's put the makeup on. Let's build the sets. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get to the nitty gritty of that. Yeah. Life, you know? And well, uh, yeah, it's pretty I wild. mean, that makes perfect sense to me. I think I, I think I need to, I need your documentary, but I also <laughs> need to know more about them. Cause like, I feel like um, just whatever side note is like my, the way that I make, music or whatever is like I channel it all like I spend like a month without listening to anything and just going on walks and then like I won't I used to didn't bring a phone around so I'd have to like borrow someone's phone on the street and like send myself a voicemail Oh my God, that's exactly what I did when I was working <laughs> on this film I would yeah, get, cool. get up and during walks I'd be like it would just, yeah. it would just come in yeah <laughs> yeah that's how I write but I I it's like so interesting to me that other people like to, when you do that with other people, it's just like, um, sorry, the dog was oh. tapping my chair. Uh, <laughs> but when, yeah, when you do with other people, it's so much, um, it's faster and I love uh, speed. Well this, is <laughs> well, this is the thing that can give us all hope for the future. Yeah. You get together with a group of like-minded people and you share a vision together that is greater than yourself, that involves healing, that involves growth and creativity, like making stuff. Like to me, those, that's how you change the world. Like that is how the most powerful movements are formed. You know, when people, when, when like-minded people come together and want to do something good together to, to help, move things forward and heal. And that is way more powerful 
Uriel said, and I <laughs> forces of darkness, which yes. are just, you know, fallen angels and fallen souls who are like off the path, screwing up their karma. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I love her perspective on that. Like her perspective was, you know, the future of planet earth is positive, that love is the greatest power in the universe. And just keeping those things in mind, you know, that's the thing people came into Unaria. Some people came in just because they were actually psychic and really interested in, in uh, metaphysical concepts, you know, and, and yeah. had a structure like, like people who, you know, Kevin, for example, he's one of the lead characters in the documentary and he's, he's the head of the uh, film department at Unarius now like he was astral traveling when he was eight years old you know he told his parents and they were just like they shut it down so rapidly because most people don't understand that they're like oh my gosh my kid's crazy don't talk about that stuff but when you get to a, a group like this where there's not only an understanding of it, but they've got a lesson plan yeah, to yeah, help yeah. you discipline your, like to help you grow your abilities in like a structured, safe way. It's so cool. totally amazing. So you had people like that, but then you had a lot of, you know, Kevin was also like doing tons of drugs when he came in. He was a total party or he was smoking pot all the time. And you had people with real mental issues who came in there. Yeah. And what Diana Taminia told me, she wrote, she was a participant observer with Unarius for 10 years and wrote this amazing book for Oxford University Press. She's also a subject in the documentary. Cool. Is she, she describes Unarius as a full healing group. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So these folk healing groups, they exist throughout yeah. the world. And, uh, you know, there are folk healers who are shamans. You can call them folk healers if you want. You know, they're not licensed by the AMA. Yeah. Approved that you got a, you've got risks coming in, you know. But yeah, that's the thing like Unarius provided, especially for working class people. That's what I love about this film, too, is it wasn't just sort of like privileged, like, people coming together and just becoming self-obsessed with new age. Yeah. It was people with real issues who didn't have a lot of money and weren't interested in money, you know, coming together to make amazing art. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, it's the coolest art it's, and it, I love (laughs) it so much, but I guess since you bring it up, like, what do you think, like what, um, what is it called? Uh, what percentage of people? I mean, not what percentage of people are mentally ill, because I think that that could be anyone. But what percentage do you think do, like could be mentally ill? At, you know, I, I don't even know what I'm asking. I guess I was just going to say sure, what percentage. I'm this because I'm still editing the film right now. Okay. It's making me think maybe I should clarify that because I that's the thing. Like, it's easy to think that you know, people who join these groups are just lost or screwed up, but that's not the case. No. Like, of them are very, like, just curious about well, the world, you know, totally. and, and sensitive. Like, they just have abilities other people don't understand. Well, we're considered to be mentally ill when we're sensitive. It's like, I, I will just say it's not an illness. It's a, it's just like, um, we're we're not taught to be you know we're taught to fight with ourselves to be something else that's that's if that doesn't make you mentally ill I don't know what is but I'm just curious because I 
for almost a lot of these thoughts. I went to the loony bin when I was a kid for many of these thoughts that's and it. many. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so in I I appreciate you sharing that. And oh I yeah. A lot of people will appreciate you sharing that because I know people who went to the loony bin for that too. Yeah. You know, and having it, like a, a like a some sort of a you know, visionary experience that was just considered a delusion or whatever. No place to put it for years. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I was like one of the, um, what's it called? Like, it's just one of the first kind of where they like test drugs on kids, kind of like nineties, uh, people. And, uh, but it was like, like mood altering drugs, like psycho behavior, um, like lithium and like, yeah, like antipsychotics. But it, it was wow. and um, I mean, it makes sense because it's like I it's just funny because all of the questions that you're asked is, is like, do you believe in magical thinking and m- yeah. magical thinking? It's like, yes, okay. I do, sir. And it's just like all of the things that it's just such a fine line between um what you're allowed to say and not allowed to say. And I, I think that, I think it, what matters is your safety. If you're safe, if every, if people around you are safe, then that's okay. And I, I don't think I was safe at the time. I was very yeah. confused, but like a lot of these thinking and a lot of these ideas of, can you control? Yeah. Basically is magic real. And it's like, yeah, it is. I'm not crazy though. I didn't invent magic, but I mean, and we, it's the pro, it's such a problem and challenge right now in the world because, you know, politically we're just so polarized. Yeah. Uh, so polarized by, you know, materialists who think that science will save the world. And then, you know, people on the far other end who, you know, believe that other things that, you know, are super far out might save the world, you know, who know? And yeah. Who like there's a big spectrum in the middle there, you know, but, um, but, but it's, it's, it's interesting because for me, what I find is, you know, some people can t- try to tie magical thinking and, um, you know, people having visions that don't come to pass as being totally delusional and dangerous and leading us to QAnon and Trump and things like that. And what I find is that, for the people I've met who have other abilities and insight and are on a magical, like intuitive path, like they're some of the most like level-headed, well-adjusted people I know who, who are able to find a way to live um, functionally in a very dysfunctional world. Yeah, totally. That's a good way to put it. Part of that is because these metaphysical ideas take, they, they, they urge you to take personal responsibility, you know, yeah. self and to learn who you are and explore yourself and your traumas. Yeah. You know? And in a world that is just tra- one trauma after another right now. Yeah. The ability to talk about traumas and talk about ways of working through them. It's just valuable. And however you do it, I respect it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess one other thing, I'm just curious about um, is uh, um, that in other cultures, like the schizophrenic or um, that sort of state, uh, the state, a psychotic state is uh, perceived as a religious or a spiritual state where you're being 
you know, like in other in some countries, like they don't mess with you, like they allow you to go on that path. Like here, uh, it's just not like that. I wonder if you know anything about that or other cultures or if that's something you're interested in. Absolute interest of mine. And um, I would love to explore it further. But of course, you know, just thinking like, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just have barely touched the surface of that. But when you think about like um, sadhus and in India, you know, you think about like, um, like shamans and, and um, uh, USSR or whatever you call that land. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you yeah. know, like that, the, you know, that come from that part of the world, you know, where they have, you know, people uh, come forward, a lot of indigenous cultures, let's just say many indigenous cultures throughout the world have very different ways of um, handling people who hear voices, who yeah. Spirits, because they're more integrated with their spiritual selves. I believe it's because they're not as far, they're not as far removed from their spiritual selves as we are, because we live in such a hyper materialistic, you know, society that of course goes through waves of spiritual, you know, trends and uh, yearnings, you know, which also comes with like, you know, when people, when the, here's the thing, like when you're, you know, it's the nineties or something and everybody's got tons of money, like neoliberal, you know, yeah. money <laughs> is like flowing in at its peak, you know, you don't have the desire necessarily to like get spiritual, but when things get really rough and people lose a lot of things, you lose loved ones, you know, you lose money, then, then these, these things become more valuable, you know, and we, we've just lived a privileged life for a long time, which has, you know, led to this hyper-materialistic state, you know, Uriel commented on that a lot too, but yeah, these indigenous, these indigenous communities, um, it's just fascinating how they embrace or just have a deeper layer of respect and understanding and compassion too, for individuals who are having, you know, I don't know what it is. It's not like every person having hearing voices as a shaman, you know, it's complex. Like it could be a lot of things. And I don't think anyone has a monopoly on what that is, you know, but but it's interesting to me to learn about indigenous cultures who find other ways of um, helping that person become functional without drugs. Right. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting to me too. It's like, these sound like really great outlets for for those voices, those ideas. And yeah, if, if it weren't muted and numbed, uh, they might find more people that like agree with them um, or not agree, but feel the same or hearing the same things. Like it might not, you know. I also want to say though, like, I do feel like, I mean, I do also feel like that, like psychiatric drugs save lives you know yeah yeah definitely a place for them yeah I take psychiatric drugs still for sure that's the thing like they (laughs) so many people's lives and yeah 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 positive ways you know that I would never want to I want to make be really crystal clear about that thank you for doing that I appreciate that I You know, it's just, there's so many, that's the beauty too, of the last two years. I feel like so many of these previously held beliefs that we've had about like health and what, you know, our value as human beings and what we have to do to have a meaningful life, all that stuff's just kind of like 
been blown to pieces. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's just, it's not, it's just nice to have discussions about new ways of wrapping our arms around these things, you know, that are age old questions. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. Well, you didn't say it last time, but what is happening this weekend? Oh, or next weekend. I want to say on November 12th, um, I'm going to be heading up to um, upstate New York, you know, uh, up up in the woods, you know, where a lot of workers have migrated to over the last couple of years to this amazing theater called Upstate Films. They've got a theater in Socrates and one in Rhinebeck. Okay, I've been in Socrates before. Oh, you have? Yeah, my old band, we recorded our first record in a barn up there. No way. Yeah, I love it up there. Gosh, well, my my friend Paul Sturtz, who is this, he's another, speaking of visionaries, he's like the one of the visionaries behind the True False Film Festival, which if you love documentaries, you should absolutely try to go to it some point. Okay. I think it's my favorite, it's my favorite documentary film festival in the country. Oh, cool. A lot of directors of other film festivals who feel that way. They just love it. Okay. And he's the founders of that, but he recently moved to up to Rhinebeck and Socrates, and he's running this film, uh, these theaters with a friend. And I'm going to be showing a doubleheader program. We're going to be showing Walker's family. I'm going to be signing copies of the scrapbook that I did with my partners with Isis Aquarian and Charlie Kitchings, who um, couldn't couldn't have made it without them, obviously. And then I'm going to do a special program of Unarius, like rarities that I dug up from the archive in the process of the documentary. And then we're going to show one of their their psychodramas uh, from the the Orion uh, Empire series. Amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me. I am so thankful for everything you do. And uh, I can't wait to see more. And I can't wait to talk to you more. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me on. I, I so much appreciate um, what you're doing and love your music. And I'm just thrilled. very grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.